Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is a podcast where we have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live, and this is podcast 008. We believe that the Bible has something to say about every inch of thread that makes up the fabric of our existence, and so we try to look at the issues confronting our culture, our church, and ourselves through the lens of Scripture so that we can make sense of our existence and so so that we can not just merely survive, but thrive in this broken, fallen, and crazy world in which we live. My name is Keith Crosby, and as usual, I'm joined in studio by Mark Stickler. We are pastors at Hillside Church in San Jose. So we'd ask you to join us for over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's eye view perspective of a complex situation confronting the church, the culture, or you as we apply God's word to make sense of it all. Now, at the end of the podcast, if you'd like to dig deeper, we'll provide you with additional resources on our podcast resource page. In the meantime, let's get started. Today is kind of a a turning point. We are beginning season two. We've sort of turned a corner. We've been talking about critical theory, critical race theory, and some other pastoral issues. And today we start a new season or a new series of podcasts dealing with the coming persecution of the Christian church in America and abroad. Why is this? Well, it used to be when people would say, Pastor Keith, are we in the end times? I would always say something cute like, are we in the era after the resurrection? And they'd say, well, of course. And I'd say, then we're in the end times because the end times started the resurrection. However, as I've looked at the world around me and as I've studied the scriptures more and more, I can see that we're probably closer to the end than I thought we were. And so I've just felt it incumbent upon me to do this this series of episodes, which we call season two, on the coming persecution of the church. Today's episode is entitled, Leave the Church, or probably better, Leave Your Church, if necessary. Let's get started. Leave the Church. All right. Yeah, Leave the Church. That's a big title to put out there, or even leaving your church. And really, I guess the question is, why would somebody uh, leave the church? Well, you know, and I want to be clear, there's an old saying, if there's a mist on the platform or the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. And when I say leave the church, I'm not talking about leaving the church of Jesus Christ, but some people may find themselves in a church that is going the way of the culture or a church that is no longer keeping the main thing the main thing. And it's hard for them, and sometimes it comes down to making a decision to leave. Now, there are so-called routine decisions, uh, routine reasons to leave the church, and by routine, I'm not, I'm not trying to be cute, but the, the usual decisions, such as doctrinal differences. Statements of faith are like an apartment lease. When you come to a church, uh, you look at the statement of faith to see if that church believes consistently what you believe in terms of the Bible. These are the minimum requirements of fellowship. And if you don't agree with the church's statement of faith, you certainly shouldn't join the church. But most statements of faith don't cover much, and often sometimes what we find is we're at a church and they teach some things that we didn't anticipate. And so what you've really got to decide is, are these big issues? You want to keep the main thing the main thing. You don't want to divide over pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib or something like that. You don't want to divide over Bible translations. But there are things to divide over. And so there are doctrinal reasons to leave the church. There's also, uh, and I hate to call this routine, but this happens routinely in a fallen world, 
a moral failure of leadership. And this goes beyond them making the occasional bad decision. This might deal with adultery or a pattern of uh, lying or a lack of integrity among the leadership. At the same time, I want to say be careful. People often misspeak and don't realize it, and you don't want to be the religious policeman who's always correcting people. And I, I want us to be aware of requiring sinless perfection of our leaders. Love covers a multitude of sins. But sometimes there is moral failure, and I'm not just talking about somebody committing adultery. I'm talking about matters, habitual matters of integrity. Another reason to leave the church is your own inability to forgive. Sometimes a relationship can be damaged, and it's just hard to recover and you come to church week after week seeing somebody that you resent and it's hard to hide your resentment and the problem may be that you need to take the log out of your own eye and for whatever reason God may be moving you on because you don't want to become the factious man or the factious woman you don't want to be a stumbling stone for others and you don't want the presence of others to hinder your worship and you certainly don't want to hinder theirs a case in point my father-in-law was a member of a church for over 60 years and over those 60 years people in leadership inevitably made some bad decisions and eventually they began to stack up and he could let some pass and others he couldn't and it reached the point for him as a human being as a sinner saved by grace that he just couldn't get past some of this and i just told him look maybe it's time to find a new church i know you've been here all your life but you're going to church or leaving church mad. And he really did, to his credit, he left quietly. He found a good Bible teaching church down the street, so to speak, and he experienced some real pleasant years of spiritual growth. And so those are what I would call normal reasons to leave the church. Yeah, I think those all sound pretty reasonable. But what I'm kind of wondering is how does leaving your church fit into the coming persecution of the church? It's a great question, Mark. As I mentioned earlier, and as I've alluded to before, we are living in unparalleled times of upheaval. We've got this whole COVID-19 thing going on. We've had riots and looting nationwide. The church, as it always has been, is on the wrong end of virtually every cultural issue, from abortion to uh, traditional marriage to issues of gender. And I think what we're seeing in some cases is the church becoming a little war-weary. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about the dead and dying mainline denominations. I'm talking about the evangelical church. And what we're seeing is a desire to be liked and accepted by the community rather than standing on scriptural or biblical principles. There's a desire to catch up or catch on with the culture. Uh, and with the COVID-19 quarantine, it's playing the game with the government and, and doing what the government says, sometimes a little too blindly. With critical theory and wokeness, it's uncritically accepting some of the tenets of this, these ideologies, trying to join a good cause. Who doesn't want to fight racism? But this critical theory thing, as we've discussed before, is a Trojan horse for a worldview that's entirely anti-Christian. And so churches and pastors often end up apologizing for who and what they are, how God made them. There's this pressure also to grow the church in a hostile culture at almost all costs. And so with this huge culture shift, the church is tempted to become more like the culture and less like the church because there's this fear that the church can't make it without compromise. And churches and pastors and leaders forget that in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when a church forgets, who it serves, and that the growth of that church and the stability of that church and the health of that church depends on Christ and not them, it may be time to leave that church.
Yeah, and I know both of us would never encourage anybody to leave their church because, you know, I don't agree with the worship style or, oh, I think they're going this way. And so, and I think, you know, you see that today in a lot of the churches where it's this consumeristic mentality. Um, You know, I come because I like the worship and it's a positive and encouraging message that I walk out of there. And what you see is there's less feeding going on. Um, feeding of the believers, less less and less scripture, and those things. And so how do you see that playing out as we move forward and, and hopefully come out of this time of COVID-19 and these lockdowns and, and these churches? How do you kind of see that playing out uh, in, the, in these mainline churches, maybe these more popular churches that have um, tried to adjust themselves to be more culturally sensitive as opposed to biblically led? Yeah, I want to do two things. I want to discriminate between mainline churches and evangelical churches. I know the word evangelical is becoming such a big word, it includes almost too much. When I think of the mainline churches, I think of the old Protestant denominations associated with the National Council of Churches. And and today, though, what's happening, and I think you just alluded to that, is some of the so-called evangelical churches or Bible-teaching churches are starting to drift in that direction and make the same kinds of mistakes. And so let me just talk a little bit about that. We just talked about COVID-19. There are pastors and churches and leadership teams who seem to have lost their way. 1 Peter 5 tells us to shepherd the flock of God among us willingly and not under compulsion. And what we're seeing is that some are failing to do this for all the wrong reasons. At the beginning of COVID-19, we all looked to Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 and respected the government's purported concern for the public welfare. I think we all admit to that. But as we look back over our shoulders through the lens of uh, experience, you might say, or or through the lens of retrospection, I think what we see and have seen is an overreach by the government. There was more to it than the public welfare. Some of this became obvious when we saw the rioters and the protesters not observing social distancing, uh, not wearing masks, and at the same time, nobody was lifting a finger to stop them. We saw casinos and liquor stores allowed to stay open. In California, they said the church was non-essential. You've got Costco, and I have nothing against Costco. I have nothing against Lowe's or Home Depot or these places. But you have these stores staying open. And then here in Santa Clara County, I mean, the overreach is just incredible. The state of California will put us into a new phase, but uh, Santa Clara County will hold us back in the old phase. And, you know, one church was fined $100,000 for not complying. And there's this governmental overreach by petty tyrants. And the reality is with COVID-19, it's not nearly as bad as people said it was going to be. If we didn't quarantine, we were told we'd lose over 2 million people. But today, the numbers speak for themselves. And if you look at the CDC website, and we'll put a link on the uh, resource page for that, uh, if you're 0 to 19 years old and you don't have any comorbidities and you are infected, you have a 99.997% chance of not dying. Now think about that. A 99.997 chance. If you're 20 to 49 years old, if you're almost 50 and you're infected, you have a 99.98% chance of not dying. If you are 50 to 69 years old, 50 to 69 years old, and you contract COVID-19, you have a 99.5% chance of not dying. And if you're 70 plus years old, now think about this, if you're over 70, you're exposed to and infected with COVID-19, you have a 94.6% chance of not dying if you have no comorbidities. Again, 
These statistics do not factor in comorbidities, and I get it that some people have them. I'm sensitive to that for a number of reasons, even in my own family. But the reality is, is that if you got it, for most people, 0 to 69 years of age, you have over a 99.5% chance of not dying. And so here we are quarantining healthy people. And that really just seems a little counterintuitive. And we're recording this podcast on October 13th, and these these percentages still apply. And it's an amazing thing. And I do understand that there are real people with real problems and real concerns and, and sincere fears and who have comorbidities. But the fact of the matter is, for the first time in human history, pretty much, we are quarantining healthy people and keeping them from going to church, keeping them from going back to work. And it just seems, in the midst of all this, that somebody, particularly leadership in churches, should be standing up to this, should be questioning this. And for the most part, many, too many pastors, I guess, have just uh, gone with the flow. You know, in our own church, we've opened up for outdoor services, and uh, we have tried to reach out to our people, but I've seen big churches, much larger than us, with more resources and with more people to take care of, basically groveling to the government for permission to meet. They're not meeting outside. They might have the occasional Sunday evening uh, time of singing and worship, but they're not meeting. And so, in our outdoor services, we're getting a, a, a large numbers of their people, and there's a reason for that. And, and some are suggesting, well, we should circulate a petition to get permission to meet, and they're failing to conform with Hebrew, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And they're failing to demand their First Amendment rights for freedom of worship, freedom of assembly, freedom of conscience. And in talking to some of these pastors, I hear things like, well, wait a minute, what will our neighbors think? Well, don't we want people to like us? And I have to remind them, look, most people are pro-abortion. Most people are against uh, what we would call traditional marriage. Most people are part of the LGBTQ agenda. Most people embrace critical theory. And if you think they're going to like you because you don't meet, you've sort of got your priorities askew. And so, like I said, I guess, humanly speaking, Hillside is the beneficiary of their indecision or lack of wisdom. But the problem is, is they are failing to shepherd the flock of God. And here we are, some would say, well, the good news is they're relaxing uh, attendance restrictions now. Oh, that's great. But it's seven months later, and there have been people hurting, people dying, people in hospitals, people needing comfort and encouragement and spiritual counsel. And too many churches have failed to provide leadership and shepherdship in this area. They failed to shepherd the flock of God. And now government has had this uh, trial run for a system of religious oppression. And they've seen that too many churches and too many pastors will play ball with them and accept these conditions passively because they want to be liked. And we'll talk about this in later podcasts. This does not bode well for coming persecution. But meanwhile, it may be time to leave a church that has rolled over and played dead for the government. I know a lot of churches say, well, what about Romans 13? And what about 1 Peter 2? Well, that was our premise, too, at the beginning. But Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, they have a rubric that talks about obeying the government when it is a cause or a force for good. And this 
blind adherence, this undiscerning, uncritical adherence to Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, regardless of what the text says, is something that the uh, German church did in the 1930s in Germany, and we don't want to repeat their mistakes. Yeah, I think we can all agree that the beginning of COVID-19, when the initial reports were coming out, this disease seemed very bad. And it seemed like, man, we were going to lose quite a few people. And I think as those realities changed on the ground, and as we realized that COVID-19, while being a bad disease, is not as deadly as they thought it was going to be, it's not a quite as infectious as they thought it was going to be and then we saw a lot of those um a lot of those requirements continue to hold it did seem to me at some point we started to step out of the bounds of you know these are health restrictions to this level um of restrictions just for the sense of restrictions it seemed like uh, in this side i don't want to be too conspiracy theory-esque on this but uh it seems almost as the government saw that they could wield this power and it was supported in the courts and uh and they've just they wanted to keep it going. It seemed like they were trying to, you know, let's see how this works out going forward. Yeah, well, you know, what we saw is that in the beginning, there seemed to be a legitimate need for the quarantine. But as time has passed, it has developed into some sort of dry run, I think, for future oppression. I don't, like you say, you don't want to be a conspiracy theory nut. But if you think about it, this is the first time in human history where healthy people were quarantined for any length of time, and may I say, by force. And we flattened out the curve a long time ago. But what we've seen is is people abusing their power. Now the courts are starting to restrict this, but we saw tremendous abuse of power in New Jersey, Wisconsin, Michigan, and certainly here in California, Santa Clara, and Los Angeles. I I recently saw where Gavin Newsom was telling people how to eat publicly in a restaurant that you should keep your your mask on until it's time to put food in your mouth and stick the food in your mouth and put the mask back out, you know, slide it back down. And I'm thinking, I don't need the government to tell me how to chew my food 17 times, (laughs) let alone here in Santa Clara County, people telling us how we can and cannot worship You know, you have protesters chanting and shouting slogans, and we're not allowed to sing. And I think there are way too many churches playing ball uncritically, indiscriminately, readily with the government. I think of John MacArthur down in Southern California and his very brave and principled stand against these violations of our First Amendment freedoms, of course, but violations of Scripture, and how so many in the evangelical community have been quick to criticize him. They should be supporting him. And so that's why I say, if your church is playing ball with this this present uh, genre, this present protocol, it may be, and I say maybe, I'm not telling you to, but it may be time to leave your church. Because this is not the last time we're going to experience anything like this. I was reading an opinion piece in USA Today uh, several weeks ago, And it said this, defeat COVID-19 by requiring vaccination for all. It's not un-American, it's patriotic. Make vaccines free. Don't allow religious or personal objections and create disincentives. They're talking about fines and tax penalties for those who refuse vaccines shown to be safe and effective. We're going to talk about this more in future podcasts. But what they're talking about here is if you're, if you're religion, whatever religion it is, or as a Christian, you're uncomfortable with doing this, they're going to make you do it. They're going to fine you. They're going to penalize you. 
So, so don't think this hasn't been a dry run for something else. And don't think that, our, that we're not being prepared or groomed for something like this. There's going to come a time where there's going to be even greater pressure based on what they've been allowed to get away with here. In fact, I think it was last night, Keith Olbermann, you can see this on YouTube or on Fox News, was talking about the need to arrest those who disagree and arrest dissenters who disagree with what he believes. And I'm thinking, well, this doesn't sound too good. And in this environment, then we have the churches that have jumped on the critical race theory bandwagon, the woke bandwagon, without much thought, without critical thinking. And it's a failure of leadership. But what worries me is, is that these thought processes are becoming entrenched in the culture. And if the church and its leadership doesn't resist, we're going to pay the cost in a big way. Yeah, I think critical race theory is something that we've hit pretty hard here at Hillside Church from our pulpit. Um, We've also had our conference on race to reconciliation, um, really kind of talking about what critical race theory is doing to the church. Um, And then we've also talked about it here on the podcast a couple of times in and so we've definitely driven the point home of, of critical race theory not being something that, uh, that you want in your church. You don't want being uh, taken over from that. So, so I'm wondering what more is there that you have to say or what more can you say about critical race theory and, and just really all that's going on, whether you look at where COVID-19 has taken us and seat all the way to those churches that have definitely taken a front seat when it comes to critical race theory and those things. So what more can you kind of tell us about that and and how it should play in our decision uh, to whether or not we should leave a church? Well, you remember that sound clip we played a long time ago. I think it was one of our first podcasts of these two atheists talking about if you wanted to divide the church, destroy it from the inside by getting the pastors woke. Well, you remember, too, we held our conference with Vody Bauckham and Neil Shinvey, and I've received emails, and I've been in contact with people, and I've done a workshop here or there, you know, with critical theory, with Christian organization. But I got a phone call from a church in the Midwest, and it was an established church, but they had a newer pastor, and with this COVID-19 thing, they weren't meeting in person anymore. And so basically, he would do the, the, the simulcast on Sunday, and he's got a blog, and he's doing all these things, and what he's done is, with the people dispersed, uh, is he's sort of taken charge of the direction of the church, and he's gone woke, and he's no longer keeping the main thing the main thing, and, you know, he's recommending Robin DiAngelo's book, White Fragility, and other books, not necessarily Christian books, and there's less Bible and more politics, and the elders tried to talk to him and everything, and because they're meeting remote, some of it's on Zoom, very few of them can meet with him person to person, and he tells them, well, you're attacking me, you're a racist, you're a white supremacist, and what they've realized is they've lost touch with the church over these seven months because they haven't met. And this man has gained a following, and they're afraid if they confront him, they'll split the church. And they're afraid if they just quietly leave, they'll split the church. And what I ended up telling them was, based on all the things you've told me, now I've abbreviated what they told me in this podcast, it may be time for you to leave the church. The church is going to split. He has divided the congregation. But from what you're telling me, the majority of the people don't think like you, they think like him. So it may be time as leaders to find another church to attend and to serve in. Serve where you are welcomed. And that's what I 
told them to do. God has raised you up to serve. He saved you to serve, so go serve where you're welcome. Just leave seems like a pretty strong statement to tell elders at a church. Like These aren't just the everyday person showing up and in, in sitting in a pew on a Sunday. These are elders in the church, and so uh, it seems... It seems like a big advice to give somebody. What about like the health of that church? Where's that church going to go? Well, and I agree, and I didn't give it lightly, and I certainly didn't cover everything that he shared with me, but I'll just tell you this. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but by not meeting for so many months and this uh, pastor uh, holding sway the way he has, they really have lost control of the situation. And they are, by their, and they're, by their own description, uh, somewhat out of uh, touch with the congregation in a meaningful way. They can't make their case to the people, and so they can either leave or stay. They can comply, but, but what you don't want to become is the factious person. Uh, you know, Jesus talked about discerning the times and the seasons, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. But what I think we're seeing right now, and somewhat with this church in the Midwest, is God is sifting churches, and he's pruning, and he's realigning people. And you look at the book of Revelation with the seven churches, you know, God's standards are high, and five of the seven churches were criticized and were told, basically, that they were going to be eliminated. We are called to redeem the time because the days are evil, and sometimes that involves leaving a church that has lost its way or leaving a lukewarm church and finding another gospel work to join, another fellowship to join, particularly in times where you and your family need to be in a strong faith community that can come around them and disciple them. And that's even true sometimes for elders, as in the case of this church in the Midwest. And what you don't want to become is the factious person. What you don't want to do is waste time and resources arranging or rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic you have to leave the church. Now, let me just say what I'm not saying. I want to be very, very clear here. You know, I'm not saying every time something doesn't go your way to leave. I'm not saying sometimes that every time you have a disagreement with leadership, leave. I'm not saying that you have to agree with everything that leadership does or they have to agree with everything that you do. I am saying to not judge by appearances. Jesus talks about in John 7, 24, judging with righteous judgment, that being the word of God. Appeal to them, talk to your leaders, talk respectfully, humbly, talk to them, appeal to them, but at some point, it's time to leave. And remember this, God raises up nations and kings, as Acts tells us, and he determines their times and seasons, and that pertains to churches too. And what I believe is going on right now, particularly as we march into what I believe is an era of coming persecution, is that God is going to have some of these churches bleed out and die, and that's a good thing, because some of these churches have lost their first love. Some of these churches will close their doors tragically because they're small and they lack resources. Others will close their doors because they're really more like TED Talks or motivational speeches with a couple of Bible verses. And if you're a believer stuck in one of those kinds of churches, you don't want to be casting your pearls before swine. And if your church is apologizing for all kinds of sins, real or imagined, without much thought, and if your leaders are waiting for the government's permission to worship or to meet under any and all circumstances, it may be time to leave the church. Because from what I can tell, we're at the beginning of some coming season of persecution, and I think you're going to want to be among a fellowship of committed believers, shepherded 
by a group of committed leaders. And if you're not in a church like that, leave that church and find a new one. It's hard to say, but I think we're heading into an unusual era, and I think we're heading into a perfect storm, and you can see that already from the last seven months. Well, Mark, I think we're out of time. That's it for today. Uh, Thanks for listening. If you'd like further resources, visit us online at www.gracetoliveradio.org and click the podcast resource button. There you'll find links to some articles that you may find helpful and some information, some of the stuff that we referred to uh, in the podcast. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you. I try to answer emails within 24 hours. And so send me an email, keith at hillside.org. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come and worship with us. You can learn more about our outdoor services at www.hillside.org services. Uh, you can also find us online and uh, enjoy a live stream at the same website. Before we go, if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or anything or any of these other platforms, be sure and give us a good rating. Give us a five-star rating. Share us with your friends on Facebook so that we can reach a larger audience and do God's work on a wider venue. We release this podcast on Wednesdays, so we hope that you'll join us this next time. Be sure and just subscribe. That way you won't have to go hunting for us. Thanks for joining us today. God bless you and keep you.